Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our new website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans, and welcome to episode number 203 of the Peristyle Podcast. Today is January 9th, 2012. We've got a great show for you this week on the podcast. Of course, the BCS National Championship game is coming up a little later on tonight. I'm sure you guys will tune into that. But we have lots of USC news to get to, recruiting news, USC football news. There's some news about Chris Car- I mean, Chris Carlisle, sorry, the former USC uh, strength coach. No, Amir Carlisle, the now former USC running back. We're going to talk to Coach Harvey Hyde and Dan Weber all about that and, and a lot more from what we saw at the Army All-American Bowl. We're going to do a Trojan Blast recruiting podcast coming up tomorrow. So we'll have Gerard Martinez on there and he can answer all of your questions about USC recruiting. We can talk about the junior combine that we saw down in San Antonio, Texas. We were down there for a week and then also the Army All-American Bowl, USC picked up a commitment from Kevon Seymour, four-star cornerback recruit out of Mir High School in Pasadena, up right near Coach Harvey Hyde's neck of the woods. And speaking of Coach Harvey Hyde, we got him on the show. Coach, what's going on, sir? How are you? Well, buddy, how are you? It's a great day. Uh, it's football season still, but I tell you, we're getting close to having football <laughs> being over here on February the 5th with the Super Bowl. But uh, enjoy it, ladies and gentlemen, because... The excitement is going to continue with recruiting and uh, national sighting date on February the 1st. And then, of course, uh, spring ball not too far away. And then the exciting 2012 Trojan football season. Their schedule was released the other day, and uh, I was going through that today, taking a look at it. And it's very interesting. So uh, football maybe not won't be playing, but it doesn't go away. There's still a lot to talk about. Certainly, it's a year-round endeavor for us at uh, uscfootball.com. And wanted to thank our, before we get into all that, wanted to thank our sponsor for the segment, Southern California Tickets. SCTickets.com is the website, or you can give them a call, 1-800-888-7287 if you need tickets for any kind of sporting events. If you want to go to the Super Bowl, they can hook you up with tickets, theater, concerts, all that kind of fun stuff. And I forgot to mention, if you have any questions, and we do, you can email us, podcast at uscfootball.com. Or you give us a call, 206-888-6755, and leave us a voicemail if you want to do that. We do have a voicemail question, Coach, so maybe we'll uh, we'll start off with that one. Here's one for you. Yes, I have a question. This is Rich. I have a question <clears throat> regarding the running backs for uh, next year with Mark T- Tyler graduating and with Dylan Baxter leaving the program, with Amir Carlisle leaving the program as of today, <clears throat> and with... Uh, D.J. Morgan sitting out last year as a redshirt. The only back that has any experience coming back is Curtis McNeil, and I'm wondering if you guys think with George Farmer maybe moving to tailback, if that's going to solve the situation, or at this present time, is SC going to have to go out and get another uh, tailback again with uh, Carlisle transferring as of today. Enjoy the program uh, very much, and uh, let me know what you think about this situation with the running backs for next year. Thanks again. Bye. Well, uh, thank you very much for asking that question, because I think that's a question everybody is uh, thinking about. First of all, 
Curtis McNeil is the guy, and I think it's really going to benefit USC this coming year to know who's playing what position. Barkley's the quarterback. You know who the receivers are. You know who the offensive line is. You know who the running back is. It's Curtis McNeil. It's not going to be by committee. It's Curtis McNeil. Who's the left tackle? That's what uh, has to be discovered. But everything is in place offensively as far as positions. So now you look at the depth chart as far as offensively and so on, and you look at D.J. Morgan. You know, he's a, uh, I believe he was a five-star recruit, uh, running back, got great speed, has the same type of potential as any great running back in the country as far as getting experience and getting his turns. And the same thing with Curtis and these other players. They've got to get turns uh, to become a great back, and now being – uh, a limited number of backs at USC, then backs get more turns, more turns in practice, more turns in, in games. Yes, there's a possibility of someone getting hurt, but that could happen at any position. So uh, I think that uh, the tailback position at USC, it doesn't have numbers, but it has quality. I think D.J. Morgan's a great back. Curtis McNeil is a guy, a little guy that's got more push on piles and getting first downs and quickness. And when he breaks in the open, I'm, I'm going to tell you this too, uh, I don't see him getting run down. So I think that those two backs will be adequate. You've got also uh, Farmer, who may be a back. We can talk about that. And you've got a redshirt back, Allen. I don't know exactly what type of caliber back he is. I haven't seen him. I know he's a big back. I think Pinner coming in will probably go now to a role of more of a running back than a fullback from Mission Viejo High School. I've heard a lot of things about him and talked to a lot of his coaches, and they think he's a great athlete and possibly could be that big uh, big uh, back that USC is looking for to spell D.J. Morgan or Curtis McNeil or whatever in certain short down distances and whatever. But I don't think the coverage of Barrett USC and – in a way, you know, sometimes these things happen for a purpose. When you look at Carlisle and the situation of him wanting to transfer and, and his father moving to Purdue and they were a family that wants to be together and so on, this to me seems like a, a mutual agreement between the USC football program and the family of Amir Carlisle. I, re- I really believe that. I think the kid was disappointed, didn't play as much as he thought he could play. They moved Farmer to running back. He got discouraged. He uh, burned a redshirt year, blah, blah, blah. And, and I think USC now in his current situation, needing to find scholarship spots, probably felt, okay, let's do something that's right for the kid. If the kid wants to leave, let's acknowledge it. Let's release him. If he wants to go to Notre Dame, that's fine. I don't think he'll beat us. And I think it's good for the kid to move on if that's what he wants to do. Because you really don't want someone in your program who doesn't want to be there. So uh, it's best to let him go. And he is very appreciative. He thanks the Trojan family for everything that they have done for him. And you have a happy camper leaving. You don't have someone that's angry. And you're able to let this kid go on and and, uh, with his life and playing football and so on. And it gives... You an advantage, too, because USC now have another slot to utilize for a scholarship position, whether it be a defensive lineman, an offensive lineman, or who might surprise you along the recruiting trail. So that's going to happen. And, I, and I'm going to tell you, Ryan, and, and I don't want to say this in advance, but I think there are going to be additional movements 
at USC, possibly in the quarterback situation. Because when you look at USC, a year from now, USC is going to want to recruit a quarterback. So I'm not talking about just anybody leaving. I don't want to mention names. But there are going to be kids at certain positions that want to take advantage of possibly transferring for their best interest. And USC is also looking for those type of individuals who feel they can't play at USC, because if you feel you can't play at USC, how are you going to beat USC? Because you don't believe in your mind you really can't. So sometimes it's best to allow these student-athletes to move on, whether they're going to play against you or not. So uh, this is what happens with the NCAA sanctions and penalties. You've got to give a little bit to get a little bit, and you're going to see a lot of this happening. I agree with you 100%, Coach, and I think we're going to see more kind of fallout from basically from these sanctions where situations like this wouldn't happen otherwise, and they almost there's almost no choice. And uh, you want to see something like this where it's uh, it's it's people are happy on both sides. I'm, I'm sure Lane Kiffin would like to keep him around, but um, you know Amir Carlisle is not leaving bitter, like you said. Uh, Jake had the same kind of question, and but Joe had a follow up to that. He wanted to know, uh, he wanted to hear our thoughts on why Amir Carlisle decided to transfer, and don't you think it's a slap in the face he would choose Notre Dame to go to? Thanks very much. No, I don't think so. Uh, You know, he probably wanted to do the next best thing. Uh, He basically was a verbal committed Stanford and then switched to USC, and he's going to Notre Dame probably because his parents are in Indiana and he didn't want to go to Purdue or go to the same school his dad's working at, and if the story's true that he wants to be close to his family, that's the next best thing to being at Purdue. And, uh, you know, Notre Dame, I don't even know if he's going to be on scholarship. I know if you release a student athlete, that means Notre Dame can put him on scholarship. If you don't release him, he can still go to Notre Dame, still sit out a year, but you have to pay his way. A parent would have to pay his way. But now since they officially released him, that means Notre Dame can put him on a full scholarship, and I haven't heard whether they have or not. But uh, it's a big-time program. It's, uh, it's highlighted. It's a, it's a place that's a, academically a great school, and if the Notre Dame uh, wants him and feels he can play there and so on, it's a great opportunity for him. I, I don't know if he, he shopped it. I think we'd have heard it if he shopped it. I think this was a mutual agreement where the parents and coaches met and in the best interests of both parties, they shook hands, and the kid is getting what he wants, and FC is receiving back something in return. That's what I really think happened here. Yeah, and I think we'll, we'll talk to Dan Weber in the next segment, too. He wrote a really nice piece about why it's a good thing for USC and how people might overlook the fact that how many schools would let a, a player like that go to your rival? I mean, USC decided to release him and let him go, and I think it shows a lot of confidence, like you said, Coach, in, in Lane Kiff and the staff. He feels that you know, he, he, he's okay with letting a guy go. He's not afraid to let a guy go and go to a, a rival school. Uh, I think he feels confident in that. And unfortunately, like you said, with the sanctions, they do need to free up some scholarship spots to get under that 75 limit. And if there's a kid that might not want to play, you're probably better off uh, letting that person go and then bringing someone that really does want to play for USC. I agree with you, Ryan. I'll tell you, you were down at the... Uh, Army All-Star Game, All-American Game, and so on. And there were players there committing to other universities because SC couldn't offer them. There's a lot of schools that went there, players that went to Cal and other schools, 
I'm not saying SC didn't recruit him, but SC didn't recruit him hard enough that they could commit to come to USC. In the, in the days when you could give 25 scholarships, some of those players that went to other universities this weekend, when you watch those all-star games, would have been going to USC. But at USC cannot commit uh, or overcommit to scholarships. They've got to find guys that are the sure thing. It's like a number one draft choice. If you're going to draft in the NFL, you cannot make a mistake. And this is the situation USC is in now. They cannot make a mistake on an offer, and they've got to go with this route that they're doing. Uh, okay, well, let's go to some defensive line talk. You mentioned the Army All-American Bowl. We're going to talk about uh, uh, Ellis McCarthy a little bit, but it, this is kind of a question leading up to that. We'll, we'll definitely talk to that uh, to Gerard about that tomorrow on the show. But he wants to know, Jake wants to know, since uh, Christian Tupo and Dejon Harris were 1-2 and two on the depth chart, at nose tackle, uh, USC is left without any players with experience at that position. Uh, is the nose tackle position in USC's defense very different from the other tackle position? And do you, who do you see filling that position this fall? That's from Jake. That's a good question. I'll tell you, I don't know if there's one person there that uh, could fill that position, but it is the number one key position, I'd say, on the defensive side of the football that needs to be filled. Uh, you need to be able to be have a force in the middle. You've got to be able to have push in the middle. You've got to really be intimidating in the middle and put a lot of pressure there. And I'm not sure if they have a physical guy that could do that. Now, a guy who's going to be a great defensive lineman and a guy who's going to be a number one draft choice, no question in my mind, is George Uko. I mean, he is tremendous. He is great talent. Could have played more this last year. He's got great explosion and so on, and there's no question in my mind he'll have one of those spots and he'll be an all-conference football player. Uh, but who will replace uh, uh, the nose tackle? Uh, I, I, I don't know. Uh, Tavai played that some. He's not very physical, but he's quick. He, he played well when he played in there as a true freshman. That's not an easy position to play as a few tr- uh, true freshman. He did a good job. You've got Redshirts, Hayworth. You've got uh, – who are the other guys you've got that redshirted this year? Oh, Antoine, Antoine Woods and Christian Hayward are two inside guys, so I'm sure they're going right. to have to contribute. Yeah, I, I don't know if they're ready. I really don't know, but sometimes you have to play these guys in the shape, and sometimes you have to put the pressure on them to make them become ready, but you don't have any other choices. So someone's going to have to come through and fill that role. If you're going to be a great defense, you've got to have a great nose tackle. Somebody that puts force on on the uh, offensive guard, someone who penetrates, someone who's big and strong and physical. I know Uko can do the uh, – Uko could do – play it. Don't get me wrong. Uko is going to be a tremendous football player. But that other superstar inside – is lacking. If Armstead was to come back or somebody like that was to happen, which isn't going to happen, or a true freshman I could think of right now that's a defensive uh, lineman coming in that I could think of that could play right away, which I can't, uh, that could be that could be uh, really a, a position that USC could fill with an incoming freshman. So uh, it's a big question mark. I want you to know, but everything else is solid. But that nose tackle is a big, big question. But they'll find someone. They've got to play someone and get someone ready. Okay, and then that kind of leads to this question from Joe. Do you think that USC would move to a 3-4 defense with all the depth at linebacker and a lack of depth at defensive tackle? 
Well, you know, that's not a bad idea because they have so many great linebackers. I, I, I really feel that's something that you could do. You get great pass coverages, and you can play the spread offense really well with it. Uh, uh, and, and, and it's something you, you, should, you could really uh, consider because Uko could be great at the middle. You've got two defensive ends that could be great. And you've got then five linebackers in the game that can really cover and run. And SC does have the linebackers that can play. Uh, it could be really interesting. They've got a couple of redshirt linebackers. They've got a couple of linebackers coming in that are, I hope will develop into being able to uh, contribute early. But, again, you don't want them to play. You'd like to redshirt both of them because of numbers and, and get them ready to play. Uh, but uh, they could do that. It's something I don't think that that uh, Monty would want to do, Monty Kiffin, because he hasn't played that. He's a 4-3 guy. He knows the 4-3. They finish with such great success on defense. You know, the difference of FC at the close of the season, the offense was good the entire year. It sputtered at times. Don't get me wrong. They weren't sure. They started running the football. They became better and better and better. They spread the ball around on offense, became a force on offense, and was a big play offensive football team. But what turned the season halfway ter- during the season was the play of the defense and the way the defense changed when Gallipo, uh and Dawson made a change. And also uh, because of the, the they started to perform up front like everybody expected the front to be the force of the defense. Against Notre Dame, they started to play. That that's when the Trojans became a true national type of team. I mean, I'd love to see the Trojans be playing in the national championship team against game against LSU or Alabama. I'd love to see that game. Uh, will it happen? No, we know it's not going to happen. Can it happen next year? It certainly can, and I certainly hope that type of of game really uh, materializes. But uh, yeah, I th- I think that uh, they could change that, but I say they're not going to go to a three-four. Okay, uh, let's see. I think we're going to go to another voicemail question. Here we go. Here's one for you. Hey, this is Eric Garcia calling from uh, Dallas, Georgia. Hey, my wife and I are huge USC Trojan fans. We're originally from the Central Valley in California near Fresno. Um, and I just want to say love the show. Uh, I live in SEC hell, so I'm sure you can understand. Um, my question is, since Coach Kiffin has done an excellent job in handling of the team, recruiting, and overall with, with everything that he has had to deal with, um, he's done a pretty good, darn good job as a coach. Is Pat Hayden and the university finally totally behind him, or do you think he is still on a trial basis? And do you think nationally he will finally start getting some love instead of hate? Um, thank you very much. Fight on and go Trojans. Well, uh, I'll tell you this. I feel this way. I think Pat Hayden is behind Lane Kiffin. I've never heard anything negative, but I have to say this. As long as you win, everybody's behind you. I've been a football coach. I've experienced the goods and the bads of coaching. And as long as you get the W and you recruit well, everything's going to be fine. The thing that's the worst thing for you is to recruit well and you don't win. Then everybody says he's recruited well, but he can't coach the players. So it's a combination of recruiting well and winning. And I think that uh, Coach Kiffin has, I, I hate to use this term because he's a young man, but I think he's grown up on the job. What I mean, the difference between him this year and last year as far as a football coach and the early part of this season, the 2011 season, watching him and then watching him as far as the head football coach at the end of the season 
he was two different people. He's been maturing as the season's gone along. He's been able to handle the team better. He's been doing better in his play calling. They've become a better football team overall, both on offense, defense, and special teams. So I think what he's becoming and what Pat Hayden is seeing happen is a young man who had that question mark as far as a questionable hire, should they have hired him with all the talk and what happened at Tennessee. Mike Garrett went out and hired Lane Kiffin. He came in here with all the controversy, but a lot of the controversy wasn't all his fault. This was all in place. And I think what he's done such a great job at is being able to go through all the negative things that have happened and been able to survive it and been able to win and still recruit like last year's great recruiting class to be able to be in a position right now that FC can compete for a Pac-12 championship or a Rose Bowl berth or whatever's out there. He's been able to do that, so people have to give him credit. I'm not saying anyone else could come in and do what this guy has done. And uh, he has done that. They've been very energetic. Uh, I think he's, 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 he's more positive now, and he's matured, and, and, uh, and I like what he's done. So I'm going to give him credit because I've been one along the way, if you're a regular listener, that is honest with my opinions as far as when he's coached well or he's done right things or wrong things or great things or bad things. And I'm saying this, as time goes on, he's proving to me anyway that he's growing into this job and could be at USC for a long time. All right, Coach. Well, that's great stuff. We really appreciate it. And I, the one last thing I wanted to talk to you about was uh, before we went on the air, and we mentioned the defensive tackle position and stuff. The uh, the whole saga with Ellis McCarthy. There's been a lot of people upset on the message boards, and and you had mentioned like guys that USC couldn't get. Jordan uh, Jordan Payton is a great example of a, a guy. Basically, USC stopped recruiting because they they couldn't take all the receivers that they had committed already. He ends up committing to Cal. It's not like something that USC did wrong. They just don't have another spot for him, and they have to really. Uh, you know, be very cautious of where they're giving out scholarships to. Now, a case with Ellis McCarthy, that certainly was something different. That's a, that's a player that USC wanted and obviously still wants. You think there's a shot that they can come back and get him still? Well, I do. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that uh, the family member uh, members are really sure on his commitment to Cal. I think he was emotional down there and, and did that. He He certainly likes the... Cal coaching staff and so on. Is it the best for him to go there? Is it best for him to go to Cal? Or is it better to stay in Southern California here with Ed Orgeron and the USC Trojan family and play in Southern California? Kevin Seymour, there was no question about him. He's just been having a good time talking to coaches. He's solid. He's going to be a Trojan, and he sees the, the reasons of being a Trojan. Now, I've said all along, Ryan, I'm not saying this today. I've watched him play during the football season, and I watched him play in the Army game, he's a big kid with great talent, but he's a long ways away from coming in and starting for the Trojans next year. He's a redshirt guy. He's a five-star redshirt guy. You never hear people say this. Uh, he's not a – when I watch him play on defense, he, he doesn't play hard. He doesn't finish the play. Uh, and I hate to be negative on a young kid, but kids grow up and, and become great players. And, and he needs to get a little nastier. He, for a defensive mentality type of player, he isn't really nasty. So, you know, sometimes the challenges of going to USC and know 
that you're going to be challenged immediately and so on. Uh, some kids uh, fare away from that. But when they sit back and think about what did I just say, I'm going to Cal, I'm not really going to SC and SC. When was Cal in the bowl last time? What is Cal going to be ranked next year? What about this? What about that? They come home and they then change their mind. They sit down with their family. And there was a local article in the Star News, Pasadena Star News, a local newspaper here in the Monrovia, Pasadena area, this morning regarding the commits. And the parents now have asked the football coaches at the high school to please have all coaches stop calling our son. We need to sit down and figure out what's really right. Now, when they say that, then there's got to be a doubt. There's got to be a doubt. And SC will not stop recruiting him. So I think if there's a doubt in that type of article in the paper, and I'm not saying papers always print things correctly, but I don't think he's a solid commit. I don't think it's, this is where I'm going, leave him alone, the decision has been made, if you call, I'm going to get upset. No. So I think there's still a chance there, and I wouldn't be a bit surprised if they can turn that kid around for his best interest. All right. Well, it's all recruiting is a fun thing to follow. It can be a little crazy at times, of course. So we'll we'll keep following that all obviously all the way up until signing day. And again, we'll have Gerard Martinez on the show tomorrow doing a recruiting blast. So we'll talk to him, get his thoughts. He was down there all week at the Army Bowl as well. But coach, again, thank you very much for your time and joining us. And hope you enjoy the national championship game. You're in Vegas for it, right? I'm going up to Vegas. Yeah, I'm in Vegas. I'm I'm going to enjoy it up there. Uh, I got a couple of shows I have to do up here, and uh, and uh, I'll enjoy it. Uh, it'll be a great game, but uh, you know, well, we don't have enough time for me to get into that. Okay, <laughs> I like to see some guys playing the game. Now, LSU had a pretty good pretty good uh, schedule this year. They beat Oregon, and then they beat. Alabama, but who else is anybody beating in the Southeastern Conference, okay? They beat themselves, and they're brave about how good they are down there, and I'd like to see them play a real offensive football team. doesn't have to be USC. Let them play Stanford. Let them play Oklahoma State. Let them play somebody different, and we'll see how that all comes out. But that's Southeastern Conference football. They do a great job at it. It's a religion down there, and now they have their national championship game, and we'll all watch it. All right. Well, Coach, again, thanks very much. We will uh, talk to you again next week. Enjoy your time in Las Vegas. And everyone, check out sctickets.com. Thanks for sponsoring our segment. And we'll be back in 30 seconds talking to Dan Weber more about this USC football team and the Amir Carlisle News. Meet us on the other side of the break for more of the Peristyle Podcast. Tickets, tickets, tickets. SC Tickets is your concert, sports, and theater ticket source. We have the tickets you need to any event worldwide. Football tickets are now available. Call SC Tickets now at 1-800-888-7287. 1-800-888-7287. That's 1-800-888-7287. Or visit us on the web at sctickets.com. SC Tickets, concert, sports, and theater. We now return to the Peristyle Podcast and your host, Ryan Abraham. Welcome back to the Peristyle Podcast. We're joining this segment by uscfootball.com beat writer Dan Weber. Dan, thanks for joining us. How are you doing, man? Uh, enjoying it. Uh, we're back to 
back to football now. Uh, past the all uh, the uh, you know all star games and all the you know we've got three more weeks I guess uh, till signing day. But uh, I think you know at least now the uh, you know they're back in class and and it's a chance more to focus on uh, things like winter workouts and getting ready for spring and next season and I think that uh, that's a more comfortable area I think than the the craziness that you guys uh, had to deal with in San Antonio <laughs> with all the all the recruiting and rumors and all that kind of stuff which uh, is in a kind of a different world it seems to me it is a different world it gets crazier every year and we'll have Gerard on tomorrow Trojan Blast talking about USC football recruiting, and uh, of course everything that happened down in San Antonio. Gerard and I were both down there. Some crazy stuff. We'll get to all that. When I know we have a lot of recruiting questions, and if you do have more questions, podcast at uscfootball.com. It's our email, or call us at 206-888-6755 and leave us a voicemail, and we'll try to answer your questions on the air. We do have a voicemail question for Dan, but first we have a, what was the hot topic coming back from San Antonio? Before uh, the dust could settle, there was always this, this bomb dropped. But uh, this is one from David, Dan. He says, Dan, how much of a loss is Carlisle from a football standpoint? He's talking about uh, USC running back Amir Carlisle. I know he's a good kid, but was he a better player than the other running back candidates? And are, are we dangerously thin after his transfer? Well, I really, yeah, I think he does, He is a loss. Uh, and, and that's why you got to give USC credit because uh, – it wasn't like uh, uh, you know we're letting a kid go is probably not going to help and, and and all that kind of thing. I mean, the thing that that I was most impressed with was uh, what a great practice player he was, and what a you know for a freshman he he had a lot of leadership abilities, and I, I, you got to attribute that to his dad and his dad's. Uh, you know, position then as you know uh, as the uh, 49ers uh, strength coach, and now as uh, the head guy at, at Purdue uh, in their strength and performance program, and uh, uh, he had uh, an unusual ability to just uh, uh, show up on the practice field and really, uh, you know, go all out and 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 as a as a true freshman, not be intimidated. Uh, I thought, uh, you know, you know, in terms of a player, I thought he had the ability, for example, uh, to do little things like catch that screen pass against uh, Colorado and score. And like none of us could remember the last time USC scored on a screen pass. And he had that that kind of a little uh, awareness in space. And uh, you know, when the Certainly a big kid, although he had a lot of he had some real skills. I mean, if you watch them do things like the bag drills, where they would work on their footwork and and uh, two say do a two foot on both feet uh, hop from one side to the other over uh, over the bags and that he's he was an explosive explosive player uh, and a smart kid and uh, fearless. I thought so. They're going to miss him now. I think there's a potential that because of the switch of George Farmer and the things they're going to add to the offense uh, for him as a hybrid, you know, running back receiver, big running back and all that, there might have been uh, a little bit less for, for uh, uh, Amir uh, in terms of his opportunities. And, you know, he may have viewed it, you know, as such. Uh, and, and that may not have been incorrect. Uh, and, yeah, I think he does uh, – 
uh, hurt their uh, uh, the depth of that position. And uh, you know, I, I would, if it were me, I'd be much more comfortable having him in the program for all the things he does, and uh, you know, for a 3.6 student and just you know everything about him. I uh, picked USC. Ultimately, you know, over Stanford after, you know, Harbaugh left. And uh, I think uh, he said an awful lot of good things about USC. So he'll be missed. And uh, uh, I don't know that they'll be able to replace him uh, this this coming year. When you go into the year, I think, with the three running backs that they're going to have, I think they're in pretty good shape. We'll see about the, you know, does a, a Buck Allen or the, the you know uh, the kid from Mission Viejo, uh, uh, Pinner, uh, you know, how do they, you know, how do they uh, fit into the mix here, uh, you know, to give them four and five, uh, you know, deep at that spot. But uh, USC would be better off if he would have stayed, I think. But I'm I'm kind of impressed with the fact that they would uh, would let him go. And and I guess if you say is there a positive. You know the 75 scholarship limit, is, is, you know, would be one place that you could say, okay, that gives him a little more flexibility there. But uh, but he'll be missed. Uh, and and for those of us who, you know, talk to the players and that, he was a, he was fun to be around. And uh, you know, he he had he was so happy after that Colorado game where he had the 90 yards and caught the touchdown pass, and he was healthy and feeling good and, and you know you miss a kid like that uh, so uh, I think Notre Dame got got very fortunate and there wasn't much USC could do about the fact that his dad you know wasn't retained by Harbaugh at, at, at you know San Francisco and then took the job at Purdue and uh, you know when it comes to family decisions that's really I think it's hard for people from the outside to say well, this is what you should do, or this is how you should look at that. I think that's an area where you have to say, uh, let the family decide, you know, and, we go, and we'll go with that. All right. Uh, well, Joe has kind of a follow-up to that. Um, he wanted to know, with Emil Carlisle gone, well, actually, a couple of different prospects. One, uh, what did you uh, hear about Brock Osweiler going pro, and do you think former Auburn running back Michael Dyer has an interest in USC with USC losing a running back? That's from right. Joe. I would think not on the second part of that. Uh, I just don't think there can be any reaches at all uh, with the 75 scholarship limit. Uh, so I would say uh, no to the second part. And, and Brock, he said he, he was asking about Brock Osweiler. Actually, you know, we saw him uh, when it looked like, hey, this guy is an absolute NFL prospect. And then you saw some later games and you thought, what the heck is going on with, you know, Arizona State? Uh, so I don't know how much of, uh, of what we saw in the Arizona State game was that was probably uh, the singularly worst prepared USC team we've seen in a while. Uh, it certainly looked like they prepared for nothing that Arizona State was going to do that game. Now, I'll give Arizona State credit. You know, they, they – uh, Certainly didn't show that in the previous three games before the USC game, and you know they did they sandbag USC. I don't know if you looked at you know their loss, and it was a horrible loss to Illinois. Uh, they didn't do anything uh, that they did against USC. So uh, you know, did they know what they were going to do against USC, and just didn't bother to do it against Illinois, and were willing to lose that game? I don't know, but uh, but. 
he looked awfully good against USC. Wasn't asked to do a whole lot uh, because, you know, they only ran a couple of plays and they kept running them and running them and running them and USC kept staying back to try to stop the long pass, which uh, never came. But uh, so I don't know. I, I mean, I could see him. I could see him deciding uh, that uh, that he doesn't have a lot to gain by you know coming back. I could make the case that you know the way their year ended, he might have a lot to you know uh, uh, you know show the NFL by coming back another year. So uh, so I don't have a good a good sense of, of Arizona State, which is probably the case most of the time when you're looking at Arizona State. You don't have a good feel for what the heck's going on there. And uh, I think this is just another example. Uh, so not sure. I don't know. I don't think I've got an answer for that one. Okay. Well, let's, uh, we got a couple of questions about the uh, Armstead stuff. First, Andrew wanted to know, why are the SC doctors so tough on allowing kids to play? And then Brian in Salt Lake City wanted to know if there's any updates on Armand Armstead. Is he going to be clear for 2012? Sounds like Eric doesn't want to have anything to do with USC. I'm guess, guessing it had, might have something to do with the information coming about about his big brother. I appreciate your work, and that's from Brian in Salt Lake City. So just a little update, well, I guess. Brian in Salt Lake City. I actually, you know, from what we hear, Eric, you know, has left to his own devices, probably wants to come to USC or really likes USC, and, and I can see why. And Arlon likes USC and would like to play, you know, for USC. And I think it's almost a mischaracterization to say that the USC doctors are really tough on him and all that. You know, if, as we have kind of heard in a number of different ways and piecing it together, if the USC doctors were involved in essentially maybe, you know, saving Oman's life, if, you know, as we've heard that, you know, that the that it appears that there may have been an involvement of a blood clot near the lungs and all that. I mean, again, we're flying blind here, and you're flying blind, and everybody else is when we discuss this case, but uh, the things that make the most sense are that he was in serious distress when he went into the uh, emergency room in March, and they did have to do some, you know, I mean, he was there for four days, uh, so... It was a serious situation, as all of those situations uh, which seem to involve what what it seems to be that it might have been. Okay. And I can't, you know, talk around it anymore because, again, by law, USC is not allowed to even hint at any of the medical implications there unless the Armsteads allow USC to do so, and they have it. However, if you've been involved in a situation which could be life-threatening, and treatment that might be uh, might impact his ability to play football, even though there's no heart uh, issues involved and what have you. But it's an area, let's say, uh, where the treatment may make it more difficult for a player to tolerate collision injuries and bruising and things like that. You might be fairly, uh, you know, strict on. Uh, on deciding whether to release him to do that kind of, uh, you know, I mean, for example, uh, professional tennis players who've had uh, a similar situation uh, have been told that they can't play for as long as a year just because of the potential of, 
you know, bruising from a tennis ball or from falling on the court or whatever. So I don't think there's a lot of medical, uh, you know, history and, and research here that would allow you to just say, oh, go ahead and play. Uh, I think that's a much more difficult situation for the doctors who treated a player through a, a crisis, let's say, than maybe for the next group of doctors who didn't have that history with this player. So I think the USC medical staff has, has taken kind of a, uh, you know, a, a bad rap here. And I think people conflate, you know, the uh, Jarvis Jones case, which is a completely different, uh, you know, set of medical indicators and would, would be treated by different doctors and wouldn't have been, you know, the same, you know, doctors making that, that judgment. And then with Armstead, and they just say, well, USC is, uh, is really uh, uh, tough on these kids. I don't know that that's the case, and I don't know that I don't want that to be the case. Uh, uh, Whereas, you know, you could say football-wise, you know, take a chance, let them play. Uh, you're also, you know, in this to get the other, uh, get the younger, you know, brother. And USC didn't do that. I think uh, that's a good thing. And I think, you know, if you're making a decision that says we're putting the player's health and well-being and the rest of his life ahead of everything else, uh, and we're going to be, uh, we're going to play it safe and we're not going to risk him here, um, I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing. All right. Uh, let's go to, yeah, it's just kind of a crazy situation. Well, hopefully we'll know more at some point, but as of now, we, we certainly don't. Um, that's, we have a voicemail question. Again, if you want to leave us a voicemail, 206-888-6755 is the number. Leave a brief voicemail, and we'll answer on the air just like this one. Hello, this is Tom from Arkansas. Do I remember you saying earlier that uh, the Pac-12 has granted Oregon the right to come or to play both USC and UCLA every year so they will have uh, an option for getting recruits in the L.A. area? Uh, and if so, why did we ever let the league agree to something like that? Why can't we play Washington State and Oregon State and alternate things around a little? Um, please let me know. Thank you. Okay, Tom from Arkansas. That, that does not appear to be uh, correct. It looks like uh, with the North, uh, the Northwest schools, I guess we could call them, uh, those four, uh, USC is going to alternate and UCLA will alternate. So uh, they're going to play a home-and-home home, uh, for two years with uh, Oregon and uh, Washington. So next year, USC uh, gets Oregon home. Washington is on the road. Then USC alternates, and they'll pick up uh, Washington State and Oregon State. I know there are people who think, wow, that's a good deal. USC gets to, you know, the Oregon State, Washington State. Looking at USC's record in Corvallis, I think I'd rather play uh, uh, Oregon in Austin. I mean, let's face it, USC's got a better record uh, recently in Austin than they do at uh, Corvallis. So, but anyway, that's not correct. They, uh, they're definitely going to be a uh, an alternate, uh, uh, you know, every two years USC right now with the schedule as it's set up now. The uh, um, they will not be playing Oregon uh, uh, 
after this year, they'll they'll have two years off uh, from Oregon and Washington, as it turns out, and they pick up the uh, uh, Oregon State, Washington State. So that's the plan right now. Now, if they go to an eight-game conference schedule, which the coaches want, which the uh, SEC has and which the Big Ten may stay with. Uh, I know the Big Ten's uh, looking at nine, but uh, could end up back at eight. Uh, it would seem like if if USC stays in the BCS or if the BCS stays as it is, the uh, the Pac-12 will really be damaging itself going forward if it if it has any uh, concern about competing for a national championship. Uh, uh, it's uh, the computer rankings are just going to devastate uh, teams that go with nine-game schedules and guarantee the uh, conference at least six more losses every year. Uh, that's not how the SEC plays it, and it may not be how the Big Ten plays it, although the fact that the Big Ten and the uh, Pac-12 now are going to be locked into a scheduling combine probably helps in some ways. It certainly helps the Pac-12, I think, but it doesn't help you get more wins. It just helps you get more nice games. Uh, and that's not how you play the game if you want to end up with both of your teams in the uh, championship game as the SEC is showing tonight. You do what the SEC does. You play eight home games. You play four games against uh, really, really bad uh, uh, opponents who, you know, you buy those wins. And then you don't play all the other teams, the good teams in the other division, and uh, and you sail into the championship game. Uh, and uh, if the Pac-12 wants to play that game, um, they're going to have to figure out something about the nine-game schedule. But, uh, but right now, it'll be Oregon State and Washington State the next two years after this year. Okay. Uh, well, thanks for that one. All the way from Arkansas. Pretty cool. Tom? Um, yeah. We got one a little closer to home here in L.A., uh, Chuck in Newport Beach. Dan, he wants to know, how do USC's football facilities compare to other leading Pac-12 schools as other as well as other elite programs like Texas, Alabama, LSU, Notre Dame, and then he puts Notre Dame in a question mark elite in uh, parentheses there. But uh, much gets made about Oregon, and there's also a big upgrade at Cal. He's very excited about the John McKay Center. Thanks, Chuck, in Newport Beach. Yeah, the John McKay Center is a complete game changer. Uh, uh, USC did not compare at all favorably with the other elite programs in the country. I mean, not even a little bit. Notre Dame has, has really uh, uh, improved their facilities. I mean, the one thing USC had is, and there's nobody else in the country that has a more centralized uh, location of, uh, you know, uh, all of the academic and uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, facilities for for dining, uh, studying, uh, meeting, practicing. Uh, a lot of places now, as the schools have gotten bigger and the facilities have gotten bigger, they've become sort of on the outskirts of the campus. USC's remains right in the middle of campus, and it's it, it, it's a very comfortable setting. Uh, you know where you can walk to uh, everything from uh, from anywhere on campus, and, and that's not the norm anymore. Uh, so that's a uh, that's a major plus. And then putting the McKay Center, which every you know day that we go out there and you see it uh, under roof now, you realize, man, this thing is really impressive and and, and, and just a wonderful you know location and design and 
the uh, all of the all of the things that are going to be in that building, and to have that you know right next to Heritage and right between Heritage and uh, the practice facility is uh, there probably you know there will be more massive, more extravagant facilities in the country. I mean, if you want to look at Ohio State's or you know facilities or Alabama or Florida or even Notre Dame at that point, uh, you know, it might be, you know, slightly larger, slightly more expensive. But I don't know that anybody will have better facilities than USC will uh, with the completion of the McKay Center. I mean, there are just some things you can't you can't buy. And the, the accessibility and the convenience of, of USC's uh, 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 facilities are, 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 you know, uh, second to none. Uh, it'll be just, uh, uh, you know, a game changer in a lot of ways. Now, I don't think kids came to USC, you know, for the facilities, but if you can offer them the facilities on top of everything else that, you know, they get, you know, by coming to USC, I think it's one of the real advantages of other schools where they have uh, the, the stadium on the campus, uh, whereas USC, you know, the stadium is uh, – almost on the campus, and, and maybe someday that will almost be considered part of the campus. But to have the Coliseum right next door and to have then all the rest of the facilities uh, congregated virtually in the center of campus is, uh, is a tremendous asset, I think, for USC, uh, maybe more so than, than people realize. But uh, the McKay Center is going to just make it, uh, uh, you know, there will be no place that, that people will be able to say, if only you know USC was like so and so. That will that probably will never be said again. Yeah, I mean, I I think back in the the Pete Carroll era when I talked to Chris Carlisle about the strength coach at the time, and I think his opinion was that of the top twenty five programs. I talked to some other people too. USC's probably had the worst facilities, but they were still winning. I, I don't think it's all that important, but obviously it's going to help a lot, especially when you have these scholarship sanctions. One other knock against the program would be facilities. So once you fix that, and people have speculated that for Cal, like the the new facilities there, that's what's helping recruiting a lot. So I think anything over the next three years, Dan, that can help them with recruiting, obviously would be a would be a big deal. Yeah, and I think they you know take everything off the the table in terms of competitive. You know, there nobody's going to be able to say, you know. We've got you know better this or better that, and I thought Pete. One of the things that Pete Carroll figured out, I think, right away at USC, was how to how to deflect that uh, argument. I mean, I, I remember uh, when I started on the beat, and all the programs in the Pac-12 all had relatively new uh, indoor facilities and all weather facilities and you would look in their media guides in the days when there were no limits to how many pages you could put in a media guide. And uh, they'd have these big spreads on, you know, our new uh, all-weather facilities and indoor facilities that we can practice in and all that. And Pete very smartly realized in, in recruiting kids, and mostly these were to impress the kids from Southern California who those schools were trying to recruit, and Pete looked at him, and he would say to those kids, you know why they have those big indoor facilities? Because the weather is really bad there. <laughs> and he would sit there, and, you know, they'd be sitting there with the parents and the kids, and all of a sudden it would hit him. Yeah, 
that is why they need uh, field houses and indoor facilities where they can practice football. Their weather is terrible, and USC's weather isn't terrible, and they don't need that kind of a facility. And as you saw over the next couple of years, schools started really de-emphasizing all their talk about facilities and uh, indoor you know, places to play football and all that because I think it really impacted them where USC basically said, we don't need those facilities. And they said that a lot, uh, and I think it was pretty much true that they do need the John McKay Center. Uh, The facilities at other places have gotten so good, the weight facilities and the ability to do all the individual stuff that you really need to be able to do. Uh, And USC just didn't have enough room to do those things, and you didn't have enough stations, and they didn't have, so you had more waiting around and things like that. And I think you, you pretty much have to be able to be, uh, a competitive there, and I think they'll be as competitive as anybody could, you know, could ask for. But USC does a good job. One of the things they've done is by putting things underground, and uh, uh, they've really conserved the ability to keep it convenient, keep it accessible by doing that, and and probably better than anybody in the country in terms of 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 you know having things underground and and making multiple uses of the same. Uh, space on campus and uh, and that accessibility I think you can't underrate uh, you know you don't need a car to go uh, you know from your dorm room to your uh, you know uh, the cafeteria to the workout room the practice field all that you can you know it's it's really really convenient and to have that on a you know major uh, you know, campus in the middle of, you know, one of the biggest cities in the, you know, in the country, if not the world, and to have that kind of convenience and that accessibility, I think is really important. And, and, and I don't know that people even understand how, how big a deal that is for USC. All right. Well, Dan, we really appreciate you uh, coming on the show and sharing some insights. I know we had a couple of weeks where I was on the road. We couldn't do the regular podcast, but we're back to the normal grind now. We'll Keep counting down through signing day and through spring football, the off-season workouts, and there'll be lots of team updates between now and, you know, whenever spring ball starts, there'll be lots of stuff going on. So we'll, we look forward to talking to you again. Well, we, yeah, one thing we can always say with absolute certainty is uh, the news cycle for USC football never ends. <laughs> ever, ever, ever. You think a weekend is going to be all recruiting and Amir Carlisle pops up. And uh, it's just, uh, just stay tuned. Uh, there's no place that produces the kind of, uh, you know, day after day, uh, you know, information and, uh, and newsworthy, uh, you know, happenings in USC football. It's truly amazing. Uh, uh, there's no place like it. I, I agree 100%. There's no, we never get a break, but that's okay. There's lots of, always lots to talk about. But. There is no off-season. No. <laughs> well, that's why we do the podcast year-round, so we try to cover it all. Uh, but thanks again, Dan. We appreciate we appreciate you coming on, and thank you, everyone else, for listening to the Peristyle Podcast. We'll be back again tomorrow doing the Trojan Blast with Gerard Martinez. But until next week, this is Ryan Abraham, your host. Thanks for tuning in. listening to the Pear Style Podcast presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. And don't forget you can automatically download the podcast directly to your iPod or MP3 player for free 
Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store. 